Hey, you're listening to Guat Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission? You got it. Say it with me. Advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is Season 16, Episode 335. Title? Life Matters. Alcohol and Drugs. Subtitle? Drink Responsibly? Part 2. I am super excited about this episode. It came about really under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It just came together. The cool thing is I recorded it on my iPhone, and I'm going to talk more about that in the podcast. But anyway, I did record it on my iPhone in my newly remodeled Under the Pines devotional area. I'll say more about that. But I'm pumped. God's speaking I pray that you'll listen to it, and my friend, also share it to others who need to hear these important messages. Here we go. Hey, this is in conjunction with the mini-series on alcohol. I came across some notes that I wrote many, many years ago when I was pastoring a local church. I did a complete series on different life questions, and one of the questions had to do with drugs and alcohol. By the way, I'm recording this on my iPhone under the pines, and I'm excited to report that my first attempt at having a devotional area back here behind my tool barn uh, went pretty well, and I used it for a time, then it fell into disrepair. I use everything that I picked up secondhand, everything I've got here behind the tool barn is uh, reclaimed stuff, so I'm not spending any money on it which is pretty cool, but to refresh your memory, the reason why I've done this is it's on the backside of my tool barn, and it's in line with seven pines that someone had a vision uh, enough to plant back years ago, probably when the house was first built, and so it's a really cool view as I face basically southwest because I can see this row of pines in front of me. So I'm sandwiched in between the first two, and they're, they're large pines. But we've gone back, and we've redone it, and I took the top of a pallet, which was made with really good hard wood, attached it to the back side of the shop, and then actually two wings that came off of a neighbor's barbecue grill that they were throwing out, I took and spray-painted a really bright, I think it's called Oasis Blue by, um, I think it's Rustoleum brand, but it is amazing color, and with my red-green deficiency, I really love the color blue. So back here in this natural setting, I've got these two shelves that I've mounted above the little makeshift table. One side of the table is attached to the building. The other side of the table has two legs on it. So it really works out well, and my wife joins me back here for morning devotions. But today, here it is in the middle of summer, probably the heat index in the 90s. But under these huge pine trees, it's usually always cool. So, uh, and that's the case today. And it worked out God's will that we actually have overcast skies. I thought we were going to have sunshine, but it's overcast. So it really lends to a cool time right now, which is amazing when we're talking about almost the month of August. So I'm excited about that because it's very quiet back here. And the way it's situated with the adjoining of yards, there's no one ever back here in this corner. So I've got it all to ourselves. We originally put up a bamboo, or actually it's a reed mat 
fencing. And back in the day when we owned our home in Euless, we had a swimming pool. And on the back side of the, the fence that divided my house with my parents' house, where I grew up, we had the side of the fence that wasn't finished because in the state of Texas, it's law that you put the finished side of the fence to the neighbors. So we had the back side of the fence we looked at. So we used this reed matting that's, I think, six foot tall. So for the original Under the Pines, I bought some more of that. When I got it home, put it together, it's just a mere shadow of its former self because the original reed fencing you couldn't see through. This is like it's missing half of the reeds. So it went into disrepair, but I'm excited because I reinforced it with bamboo poles that I found from a neighbor that was cutting out some bamboo. And it has natural ivies and stuff growing on it, so it's really beginning to take shape. And then with the cleanup we've done back here under the pines, we um, have this natural ground cover that's just beautiful, and it looks like some dogwood trees trying to come in. So I've left it as natural as can be with a path to the desk that we have out here, but I'm, I'm very comfortable. I'm excited about this. It's a place of solitude. If you want to call it my prayer closet, it's one of my prayer closets, and I go here for solitude and to listen to God. And today, I made a commitment, even though at the beginning of my time today, it was a little still and a little humid, warm, I was determined I wasn't going to have any type of electronics today. That's not to say I won't use electronics at some point with a fan, etc. But just today, I really felt like God was saying to me, Kenny, you need to be still and know that I'm God and be still in every way. And also something that I've noticed when the presence of the Holy Spirit is around us in a major way, there's some things that usually are present with it also. And I'm not talking magic or superstition. It's just a fact. When the disciples, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came rushing in, and it was like the sound of a great wind. And uh, by definition, the Spirit is pneuma, which is uh, breath or wind, has to do with uh, how the Spirit is. And so uh, I've seen the presence of the Spirit when we were in Venezuela in very difficult places that as people began to pray to receive Christ, that the wind would stir up in a major way. And we saw this throughout the country. Other teams reported this. And that happened today. Actually, I have a breeze right now. But the point of it is looking for God, stilling my soul, and listening to Him, listening to what He has to say to me. So anyway, that's what I'm doing here today. And uh, again, you'll have to excuse me. I'm continuing to battle some congestion, which uh, I've been fortunate in the past uh, couple of years not to really have much of this, but we've had the occluded skies from uh, evidently all of the cloudiness, not the cloudiness, but the the uh, limited uh, visibility has been from the fires in, in Canada. So uh, it's really been profound and hard to conceive of how, how bad the fires must be in Canada for the mountains of Tennessee to be obscured. So anyway, we're praying about all that for the people who are impacted. But anyway, I brought with me out here my notes where I'm just trying to get my head together for the rest of the year. By the way, folks, we're on the downhill slide. We're almost to the month of August. So we have August, September, October, November, December, just five months really left in the year. And it's going to be 2024. It's going to be a big year, the election. So a lot to pray about, a lot to think about. And I'm really working hard to 
really drive home that concept that I shared some time ago in one of the podcasts about doing the tighten up. And it's taking me a long time. And I don't know what that has to say about me, but I'm really drilling down on my life and our ministry and the way that we interact with our things, the way that we interact with people, the way that we interact with our schedule. And so I'm spending time on getting my head together to be as efficient as I can for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to where I maximize my time with him, for him, for his glory, and for the salvation of men's souls, women's souls, children's souls, and the rescue of the planet, if possible. It looks very dim and grim at this point, but I remind you that with God, all things are possible. And Satan is having a heyday right now. I tell you, I praise God for Eric Metaxas and his book, the letter to the American church. I would highly recommend you get it. We need to pray for Eric Metaxas. I feel that he is a national treasure and I don't say that lightly, but God has raised up the most unusual person to be a spokesman to the church, to call it to repentance, to avert and divert a huge disaster that's coming our way. And so we need to pray for Eric Metaxas. Also, we need to pray for Pastor Jack Hibbs. Uh, He is quickly becoming America's pastor. And if you don't know who he is, go to YouTube, Jack Hibbs, H-I-B-B-S. He is pastor at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in California. He is as conservative as the day is long, and he's bold in his faith, and God is using him in a powerful way. As I say that, I also want to call you to prayer for Israel. If you haven't been keeping up with what's going on with the nation of Israel, it's very important that we pray for the peace of Israel. But anyway, I came across this document that I've had for years. And it was a part of the series. And so I thought, well, this is going to be a little bit different recording. The quality is not as good. It's not going to have the same robustness as it does if I'm in my studio. But I wanted to capture this and just read through it. It's not going to be perfect because I'm just reading off of what I wrote so many years ago. But in regards to drugs and alcohol, the sermon series was Life Matters. What about drugs and alcohol? So I thought it was a good tie-in with the questions I'm asking about alcohol right now because alcohol is the number one drug in America beyond marijuana, beyond cocaine, beyond fentanyl. Alcohol is the number one drug in America, and it is a drug. And so we need to think about it, and we need to be straight about it. But there's just three things I want to share quickly, life principles. And the first life principle that should govern our lives is the fact of ownership. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So an overarching principle that should guide us in regards to the way that we interact with drugs and alcohol is to first of, first of all remember that we do not own ourselves. We are not the masters of our own destinies. We are not the captain of our own ship. Uh, That's what's wrong with the planet right now is that so many people have gone off into the high weeds of narcissism and no longer acknowledge the God of creation who is their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If they would turn to him, without him, they are lost and dead in trespasses and sin. And so the first thing that we need to remember when we look at drugs and alcohol and how we're to interact with them we first of all need to remember ownership and that the human race, we are obligated to God, whether we like it or not. If we choose to turn our back on God, we suffer ill consequences for it. 
But if we want to have success in this life and in the life to come, we need to remember the ownership of God. Number two, life principle number two is self-control. Ephesians chapter five, verse 18 says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word for debauchery here has to do with wastefulness, then reckless abandon, just out of control, dissipation. It's especially exhibited in convivial gatherings, wild living, righteous living. So clearly the apostle Paul connects getting drunk on wine with debauchery. It's a natural outcome of being intoxicated on alcohol. If you haven't listened to the first podcast in this series, that podcast will help you understand why this connection is clearly there. Also in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, it says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Galatians chapter five, verse 22 says that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. So this is the picture of a person who is under the control of the Holy Spirit. So the self-control we're talking about is not something that we can generate from within, but something that is imparted to us when the Holy Spirit of God comes into our life and takes control through the power and the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Self-control here means to restrain one's emotions, impulses, or desires. We need to have self-control over the gateway to our minds, our will, our emotions, our actions. Galatians 5 verses 19 through 21 says that the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that word for sorcery is pharmakia, which is where we get our word for pharmaceuticals. It's, it's the idea of drugs being used as a controlling medium. And I tell you, my friend, that alcohol and drugs opens our minds to the actions of the devil. And it lowers our gate. It opens the gate to our minds, our will, our emotions, and our actions. That's an absolute fact. And as Christians, or as caring people even, we should have a desire to want to be in full control of our mental faculties at all times and not to be at the mercy of a substance. So think about that. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8 says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So we have some life principles that need to govern everything we do. Number one is the principle of ownership. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. Number two, self-control. Life principle number three, personal responsibility. And that's responsibility for yourself and for others. Matthew chapter 18, verses 6 and 7 says, But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that can cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. And so as we talk about drugs and alcohol, we've got to ask ourselves, perhaps you can make the statement that I drink, quote unquote, responsibly, that I never enter into a state of intoxication. I never reach the state 
that even the secular entities say is intoxication, which is 0.08% blood alcohol. Again, I remind you, that's only eight hundredths of 1%, which again, friend, is a deep reminder of the power and the potency of alcohol. But as I said in the last podcast in this series, that just because the government has established 0.08 as the point at which you, by law, are considered intoxicated and drunk, the truth of the matter is we know from science that way before you reach the level of 0.08, that you have impairment that impacts everything you do. And so to say that you can take a drink of alcohol and it not have some sort of a limitation on your mind or an opening of a gate is just false science. And so anyway, I think this is very helpful. It's not complete. Uh, there's more that I have to say about this that I feel God's leading me to say. But this is pretty cool that I found this. And again, from the sermon series, Life Matters, What About Drugs and Alcohol? Three Life Principles, Ownership, Self-Control, and personal responsibility. My friend, you and I are responsible for our brothers. You know, Cain slew Abel, and Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? That's the attitude of the world to say, hey, it's not my responsibility. They need to take care of themselves. My friend, we need to live our lives in such a way that we are setting a high standard for others as an encouragement for them to live and to be successful in this life. Wow, I mean, there are so many things happening to where People are being led down terrible paths that lead to destruction. And you and I should be about life and life abundantly, as Christ said that he is about. And so, my friend, give it some thought. I'm not your God. The Holy Spirit has to speak to you regarding the use of alcohol. But, my friend, I would highly encourage you, put it before the Lord. Don't run from it. Don't be ashamed of it. Shame never brought about any type of transformation in anyone Remorse did not bring about transformation in, in uh, Judas. It caused him to go out and hang himself. God wants you to be brokenhearted as he's brokenhearted, and he wants us to be changed and transformed into the image of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for each of us, my prayer for me. I've got a long way to go. I don't speak as someone who has arrived. I speak as someone who is flawed and in need of healing, restoration, cleansing, and perfecting by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.